Why? How about those trees? Welcome back to the NFL Retweet Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to do something a little bit different than I usually do. To recognize the Chiefs' victory in Super Bowl 54, I'll be breaking down how the Kansas City Chiefs built a Super Bowl champion through the NFL Draft, but more importantly, how they used trades and free agency to mold the team around Patrick Mahomes. As always, thanks for tuning in here. It's always appreciated. Remember, if you enjoy these podcasts, or maybe you feel like they're missing something, I urge you to check out the NFL Retweet YouTube channel where these podcasts originate from in video form, which has got much higher visual production value. Also stay tuned for our mock draft with trades coming out. It's probably already live on the YouTube channel if you need to see it now. But let's get into this. While it would be great to say that this team was all homegrown Kansas City talent that was secured through the NFL draft, that's just simply not the case here. Of the current 53 players on the Chiefs roster, only 30% were drafted by the team, 8% were undrafted free agents, and the remaining 62% were acquired through trades and free agency. In fact, the Chiefs spent almost $108 million on offense this season, which is the fourth most in the NFL behind the Falcons, Rams, and Raiders, who all have a common denominator, a veteran quarterback contract on the books. That's one of the key factors when constructing a Super Bowl winner in today's NFL because the backbone of this team, including the quarterback, was selected in the NFL draft while the role players around them were hand-selected to play part in this championship run. But even Brett Veach will tell you that he can't take all the credit because not all of these draft picks were even selected by him. John Dorsey, who was let go by the Browns this offseason, was the original architect and deserves a ton of credit for some of the players that he brought into Kansas City, like Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones. But sometimes you need a second opinion to finish the job. Today we're going to be taking a deep dive into how the Kansas City Chiefs built a Super Bowl champion. So let's go all the way back to when the Chiefs signed Andy Reid to be their head coach, which was their first step towards becoming a championship organization. Andy Reid was at one point considered the leading candidate for the Cardinals job. Funny story. There were actually even reports the deal was close with them, but the Chiefs swooped in, interviewed Andy Reid, and quickly moved to hire him. But he wasn't a championship coach at the time of the hire. In fact, there were pretty mixed feelings around the league on just how good of a head coach Andy Reid was. He was simultaneously one of the most respected and disrespected coaches in the league. Most of his respect was gained during his four straight trips to the NFC Championship games with one Super Bowl berth in that run, not to mention the innovative game plans that he would cook up on the regular. He's also proven to be one of the better play callers of this generation, but the disrespect that he gets comes from his questionable time management flops and that choking stigma that understandably comes with only making it to the Super Bowl once when you were a game away four times. A 25% success rate isn't great in pretty much any statistical category, and Andy hadn't been back to the big game since 2004. People forgot about the trials and tribulations that Andy Reid had to deal with in Philadelphia. More importantly, the ones that he had to deal with off the field. It was his composure and professionalism that gained my respect. That choking stigma seemed to linger all the way up until his Super Bowl victory cleansed him of all the doubters and basically punched Andy Reid's ticket to the Hall of Fame. In 21 years, he's only missed the playoffs six times and has 14 seasons with 10 plus wins. Now, Andy Reid was never the GM in title, but his fingerprints are all over this roster. On February 27th, 2013, the 49ers agreed to trade Alex Smith to the Kansas City Chiefs for the Chiefs' second round pick in the 2013 NFL Draft and a conditional pick in the 2014 NFL Draft. Alex Smith was the perfect quarterback to run Andy Reid's system. He was intelligent, he was mobile, and after all, this is the guy that made Kevin Cobb look like a legit NFL quarterback. So Alex Smith was definitely going to be an upgrade from previous Chiefs starter, Matt Castle. But Matt Castle had his contribution to the Chiefs 
and led them to a 2-14 record, securing them the number one overall pick, albeit in a year that didn't have a bona fide number one prospect to take. The Chiefs had to settle for Eric Fisher to play left tackle opposite of Cleveland Browns refugee Mitchell Schwartz. Taking a chance on the small school offensive tackle was a risky one, but Andy Reid had shown a relatively keen eye for selecting a fellow big man for the trenches, so I think everyone just assumed that he knew what he was doing. Eric Fisher has not lived up to his status as the number one overall pick, and arguably isn't even the best offensive tackle from that draft class, but he's been serviceable over his career there, and you cannot win a Super Bowl without somebody that you trust manning the left tackle position, even though he was definitely a liability in the first three quarters of the Super Bowl. But the Chiefs quickly turned things around with a competent quarterback at the helm, and despite finishing the 2016 season as AFC West champions and making the playoffs in three out of the four seasons with Andy Reid, the organization felt like Patrick Mahomes was a special player that could be the difference maker between the Chiefs being just an annual playoff contender to being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So in the 2017 draft, the Chiefs traded up with the Buffalo Bills from pick number 27 to the 10th pick so they could select Texas Tech quarterback Patrick Mahomes. In the trade, the Chiefs gave the Bills their third round pick of that year and their first round pick for the following season. There's no such thing as paying too much for an elite quarterback, and looking back at it, this seems like an absolute steal. Even though the Bills used that draft stock to land themselves Tredavious White and Tremaine Edmonds with those picks from the Chiefs, there's got to be a little bit of buyer's remorse and not just pulling the trigger on Mahomes that day. Nothing against Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes just looks like a different breed. In Mahomes' first year, he did what very few quarterbacks have the luxury to do anymore in this day and age, and he was able to sit behind Alex Smith, playing only in a meaningless Week 17 matchup versus the Broncos. In his second year, he went on to win MVP, losing in overtime of the AFC Championship to Tom Brady and the Patriots. And then in his third year, he caps it off, winning Super Bowl MVP, which is fitting that he was also on the cover of Madden, because this kind of incremental ascension and rise is something that we only ever see in a video game. Outside of New England, the rookie quarterback contract has been the centerpiece in the formula for building a Super Bowl contender, the Seattle Seahawks, as the originator of this blueprint. The Chiefs had already built an explosive offense around game-managing quarterback Alex Smith, aka Captain Checkdown. They had a Pro Bowl tight end in Travis Kelsey, the fastest weapon in the NFL in Tyreek Hill. The offensive line wasn't perfect, but it had smart, workable pieces and one of the most underrated right tackles in the game. And I've already mentioned Eric Fisher, who, fun fact, was only the 20th number one overall pick to win a Super Bowl. And then the Chiefs also added Stefan Wisniewski to play along the interior of the offensive line who actually worked his way into the starting lineup and played a major role for the Chiefs down the stretch. Chiefs also made the bold move last offseason to allow their starting center Mitch Morse to sign with the Buffalo Bills. Morse had been one of the top centers in the league when he was healthy, but after suffering some injuries in 2018, the team was able to see what they had in backup center Austin Ryder and the team chose to save some cap space and bring him in as a starter in 2019. After the 2018 NFL season, Tyreek Hill was also going through an NFL investigation that put his 2019 season at risk. Without Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs were not going to be winning the Super Bowl. So the Chiefs did what any good front office would do. They tried to stay ahead of it and allow themselves to maintain that speed element to their offense. So they drafted someone with comparable traits in Georgia speedster, McCole Hardman. This was also an insurance move for big money free agent, Sammy Watkins, who could never stay healthy for a full season. A fourth round pick, Demarcus Robinson, and local undrafted free agent, Byron Pringle, are both legit wide receivers that could shoulder a much bigger load in this offense when called upon, which may be actually sooner than later. Which crazy is that in this high-powered offense, none of these wide receivers even reached a thousand yards this year due to injuries and Patrick Mahomes just being able to spread the wealth. The white elephant in the room when discussing this offense is Kareem Hunt and how he left this running back situation in shambles, yet the Chiefs were able to piece things together with castaways and, you know, let's be honest, Andy Reid doesn't really want to run the ball that much anyways, especially with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Damian Williams picked up the slack really well for Kareem Hunt after he was released last season and then running back LaShawn McCoy was added right before the season when the 
Bills realized what they had in Devin Singletary. And while LaShawn McCoy wasn't overwhelming in his time with the Chiefs, he was a reliable veteran presence and didn't force their preseason star Darwin Thompson into a bigger role than he might have been ready for as a rookie. McCoy finished the season with similar numbers to starter Damian Williams, and he actually ended up being a pretty crucial signing because the team had a revolving door of injuries among the running backs. To put in perspective how bleak this running back situation is, Patrick Mahomes missed two games himself, right? And he still ended up as the third leading rusher on the team. And by the way, it was a completely savage move by Andy Reid to make LaShawn McCoy a healthy scratch in the Super Bowl. But those are the tough decisions that you have to make as a Super Bowl winning coach. On defense before Mahomes, the Chiefs had Chris Jones, and that's about it. They did have a former All-Pro and edge rusher, Justin Houston, but Houston was cut on March 10th, 2019 in a salary cap move. In that trade of Alex Smith to the Washington Redskins, the Chiefs were able to acquire promising young cornerback Kendall Fuller, who arrived in Kansas City just in time to be part of one of the worst defenses in NFL history. The Chiefs defense in 2018 allowed 405 yards per game, which was second worst in the league, only to the Bengals. To put this in perspective, the Chiefs offense was breaking records that year, right? They topped the league with 425 yards per game. That 2018 unit also gave up 419 first downs, which is an NFL record and allowed an average of 41 points scored in each of their four losses. So naturally, they fired defensive coordinator Bob Sutton and hired former Giants defensive coordinator and short-term head coach Steve Spagnola to be the defensive coordinator and change the scheme from a 3-4 to a 4-3. The Chiefs gave Steve Spagnola a bunch of familiar faces to fill his defensive staff with, hoping that he could pull it all together in their first season. Now going back to that rookie quarterback formula, Mahomes' rookie contract paired with the $17 million in cap space from trading Alex Smith and the $14 million in cap space from cutting Justin Houston all allowed the Chiefs to make a few necessary moves to assist in the transition from a 3-4 to a 4-3 and make this unit just a little bit more balanced. And let me tell you, they didn't waste any time making moves. On March 14, 2019, the Chiefs signed defensive back Tyron Matthew in free agency for $42 million. He was the Swiss Army knife that Steve Spagnuolo needed to create confusion and disguise coverages. And after the Arizona Cardinals got cheap with him and cut him, this was the situation that Tyron Matthew was looking for in Houston. He needed a scheme that would allow him to roam and attack and not just make him sit and react. But after signing Tyron Matthew, the Chiefs had a shakeup along the defensive line that started to cause a little bit of panic in Chiefs Kingdom for a while there. It looked like the worst defense in the league was somehow going to take a step back. They traded away their only pass rusher to the 49ers for their 2020 second round pick, with this happening after they had already cut their best pass rusher and oft injured Justin Houston. The first couple waves of free agent signings had come and gone, and it was looking like they might end up with just a bunch of journeymen manning their defensive front, such as guys like free agent pickup Alex Okafor, who was coming from a Saints defense that struggled to rush the passer. They also traded for Brown's edge rusher Emmanuel Agba right before the 2019 NFL draft, but he was rumored to be on the chopping block anyways, so he didn't instill much confidence. Confidence. On top of that, Breland Speaks, their 2018 second round pick from Ole Miss, tore his ACL in practice. It was uncertain how Breland Speaks would have actually even fit into this new scheme anyways, but being drafted for the previous scheme didn't stop Tano Passanon from making an impact himself. Now, I'm not sure if we'll ever know the truth, but I'm thinking that the Chiefs front office had to be scrambling at this point, right? But maybe not, because in their back pocket was the move that saved the Chiefs defense and got them over the hump. Frank Clark had been franchise tagged by the Seattle Seahawks, but they were in cap hell and didn't sign him to a long-term deal. It was unsure if if anybody really wanted to sign Frank Clark to a long-term deal because he comes with some skeletons in his closet and maybe a few too many bags of personality too. But right before the draft, the Chiefs sent their first round pick, which everyone in their grandma was mock drafting an edge rusher to anyways, and a 2020 second round pick to the Seahawks in exchange for Frank Clark. They immediately handed him a $105 million contract, which seemed crazy considering they had just cut fan favorite Justin Houston for salary cap reasons. They had essentially swapped D Ford for Frank Clark. D Ford was not only better suited for the previous 
3-4 defensive scheme, but he was also the guy that lined up offside in the AFC Championship game the previous year on a play that resulted in a Tom Brady tipped interception that would have sealed the game for the Chiefs and ended up costing the team a trip to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if he would have ever recovered from that negative stigma, and this had to be a factor in his departure from the team. However, Frank Clark was a bigger, beefier defensive end that was better suited to play the edge in a 4-3 than D Ford or Justin Houston, and never had the health issues that seemed to be piling up for Justin Houston. Not only that, Frank Clark also bring a toughness and an energy with him that this Chiefs defensive unit was going to need. Now, he didn't get off to the greatest start in 2019, but he turned it on and hit midseason form just in time for this defense to make a run. Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew joined Damian Wilson, a low-budget free agent signing that the Chiefs defense needed to get quicker at the linebacker position because former starting middle linebacker Reggie Ragland was too big and slow for this scheme to be counted on as a full-time starter. But we're talking about the worst defense in the league here. They were in no position to be getting picky with their linebackers, so they held on to Reggie Ragland and Damian Wilson joined fellow fourth round Cowboys linebacker Anthony Hitchens who was a big free agent signing for them the previous year and these two would go on to hold down the middle for the Chiefs defense. Naturally the Chiefs secondary was also a piece of work and needed a semi makeover. Bashad Breeland was another journeyman added to the Chiefs secondary after a promising start to his career in Washington. He signed a one-year deal and was brought in to compete with Charvarius Ward as the starting quarterback. Ward was acquired via trade with the Dallas Cowboys for an offensive lineman that didn't even make the Cowboys roster that year but Charvarius Ward went on to start every game for the Chiefs. And Bashad Breeland also ended up making a couple crucial plays this year, most notably the interception on Jimmy Garoppolo in Super Bowl 54. The Chiefs then rounded out the new look defense by drafting some key contributors. UVA safety Juan Thornhill, people familiar with this channel know he was one of my favorite players in the draft and, you know, should have been taken by my team, but it's cool, I'm over it. Juan Thornhill had a really impressive rookie season that was ended prematurely by a torn ACL in the Week 17 win over the Chargers. Before that, he had started all 16 games for the Chiefs, which left a hole in their secondary going into the playoffs. But with that bye week heading into the playoffs, they were able to develop a rotation and game plan with Kendall Fuller filling in as the deep safety and single high. And then in the cover two would feature a combination of Tyron Matthew, Daniel Sorensen, Armani Watts, and Kendall Fuller all kind of rotating in. Now third round pick, Kalen Saunders was a pre-draft internet sensation. He was a small school nose tackle from Western Illinois that initially did not seem like a great move for the Chiefs. And while he didn't have a rookie season production wise like Thornhill, he was a key cog in the rotation of the defensive line and really helped the Chiefs shut down the run down the stretch. Saunders is a near clone of starting nose tackle Derek Nandi and allowed the big nose tackle a chance to breathe and stay fresh. Another shrewd move was the Chiefs claiming Terrell Suggs off of waivers after the Cardinal season was practically over and they allowed the veteran to jump on with a championship contender. Suggs was obviously a shell of the former player that he used to be but in three games he was able to log four assisted tackles, a pass defended, and a couple of quarterback hits. The Chiefs weren't the only team to put in a claim for Terrell Suggs. According to an ESPN report, the Saints, 49ers, and Seahawks also put in claims for the seven-time Pro Bowler, but at the time, Suggs was awarded to the Chiefs because they had the worst record of the teams involved. All of these moves came together and put the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but even that almost wasn't enough. If this was Alex Smith versus his former team in the Super Bowl, there's no way the Chiefs were overcoming a 10-point deficit in less than seven minutes. Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl for the first time since their 1970 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. They became the first team to come back from double-digit deficits in all three playoff games in their route to a Super Bowl victory, and they are challenging the theory that defense wins championships. 
If the two teams in Super Bowl 54 have taught us anything, it's that moving on from Alex Smith is a good luck charm, so the Redskins might actually have a bright future ahead. But seriously, the rookie quarterback formula allows you to lean on free agents, but only when your rookie quarterback makes an instant impact and is one of the best players in the league. Everybody else, your team better draft a championship squad, because these veteran quarterbacks are getting stupid money. However, moving forward, the Chiefs are faced with a similar struggle for Super Bowl winners, and the salary cap is going to be a challenge for Brett Veach moving forward, especially as he navigates through this next contract for Patrick Mahomes right before the new NFL CBA throws a wrench into the salary cap that everyone is comfortable and familiar with at this point. But one thing that they will never be able to take from you is that the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl 54 champions. That's going to do it for episode three of the NFL Retweet Podcast. Thanks as always for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to leave a review, good or bad, it's much appreciated. You can also follow me on all social media platforms at NFLRT. For this episode, I'm out.